Like, I'm not laughing. Do I have the power to execute him? <laughs> yeah, right. Can we bring that back? <laughs> right. All right. So if you guys know me, which both of you do, I hope by now, you know that I love the medieval world. I love history, but particularly I really enjoy the medieval period. And for, for many reasons, some of the reasons are that it's, it's a world that we don't really understand. It's a world nothing like the modern era. But in, in other ways, it can sometimes seem so close to us. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that really exemplifies this medieval times is the kings and queens. The, the, the kings and queens are archetypally medieval, right? And that's kind of immediately what I thought of when uh, the queen died. Mm-hmm. Um, was it last week? I think yeah. so. Right? Yeah. Was, you know, she died. King Charles, I think the third now, um, her son was elect, you know, was raised up, not elected, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess, you know, yeah. crowned or, or anointed um, to king. And it, it was a quick, like, pull back in time mm-hmm. to the medieval era, almost, you know, to, to, a, to ages past that we, especially as Americans, don't quite grasp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we've never had these figures. And certainly, I think for, throughout history, but particularly in the medieval era, kings and queens were these great unifying figures, or they were supposed to be. They were a kind of in, in the high medieval period, you know, the, the king, the uh, Christ anointed, right? Like bishops from all over the, the diocese, archdiocese would get together. Um, all the nobility would be there, and they were crowned in this very regal fashion, almost as, you know, Christ receiving his crown kind of thing. Yeah. That was supposed to be the, the, the figure. And the overarching figure that unified um, the medieval world was this idea of Christ the king. So a king is only good, or a queen as well, is only good insofar as they imitate Christ. Mm. And even all the way down to the peasant, really. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you are only good insofar as you imitate Christ. And that's just this idea of a symbolic unifying figure we just don't really have in America. Yeah. We don't have something like that. Yeah. And that's um, something that uh, we really lost, I think, with the queen uh, and her passing. I think uh, we're remembering anew what um, what the symbolism of uh, a queen is or a figure of royalty. Um, you know, uh, Bishop Barron just came out with an article on the queen's death. He made some really good points that the queen is not just a uh, political figure, but actually a religious one too. Right. And uh, when he he was describing uh, the coronation ceremony um, uh, of Queen Elizabeth and how it was just rife with these religious symbols, like she was given uh, like a scepter, she was crowned, mm-hmm. uh, she was given an orb, and each of the items that uh, she was given had a cross emblazoned on them, mm-hmm. and. And then after uh, she was given all these um, these symbols of uh, her queenship, she was also given a Bible as well. Um, and when she was handed the Bible, uh, the words were, um, "This is the most um, this is the most valuable thing in the world." Wow. Uh, and so, um, this you know political uh, figure, uh, th- there was just so much religiosity um, bound with that. Um, with her uh, coronation. And I think that what that speaks to is that um, even um, even the queen, you know, this high um, f- 
figure. It seems like like in her within her culture and society, no one is higher than that. She too is subject to authority, right? And, yeah. and that kind of preserves uh, the sense of uh, trust that you can have with her is that she's not going. You know, a, a king or queen is not going to simply uh, do whatever she she or he wants at will. That there's go- that you are responsible to an authority as well, mm-hmm. um, and that's where that religious symbol comes into play. Uh, so, yeah, yeah the uh, the queen uh, now didn't really have any political power um, in the UK. So I thought it was just kind of interesting how, on the one hand, you have people saying, like, this is an outdated monarchy; it has no use. So let's get rid of it. Whereas. I think the correct perspective was that like this supersedes politics Mm -hmm. and so it's it's above politics. So it's Mm -hmm. like, um, I feel like there does need to be something like a symbolic embodied representation of an ideal, a figure that embodies the culture and society. Sure. Yeah. Um, for both sides, I mean, I'm thinking like American politics of left and right, um, in order to kind of like unify under, I, I'm immediately thought of the image of, um, Peugeot had a recent video on like left and right hand symbolism. And it, I thought of that image that the queen represents of like the, uh, the two snakes climbing up the pole, you know, the health symbol. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the golden bowl up top with the wings, the monarchy represents that ideal. And then you have left and right politics that can like struggle against, but towards that ideal. And without that, you just have like a Warring binary, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. A binary like strain and that's yeah. it. And that's why America, is so divided is that whoever is in power, that person who is in power only represents half of the country, right? Yeah. Um, whereas if you actually had someone on top of that, like a symbolic figure, right, a king or queen, um, perhaps that would be uh, that w- would give the country a, a sense of unity um, yeah. more. Because, like, yeah, like you were saying, the queen has no political power. Uh, that's the prime minister's job. Mm-hmm. And so you have a very distinct like symbol of the country, but then the the person who's actually in the background doing the dirty work <laughs> of politics, uh, yeah. and so, and I, I found that interesting, um, especially with um, our last presidential election, where um, people people were very much obsessed with the moral upstanding of uh, the the presidential candidates, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And and Trump got a lot of flack for being an immoral person, and. That's all, you know, well and good. I think, you know, a president should be upstanding. But at the same time, instead of judging a political figure according to his policies, which we should be doing, mm-hmm. we were kind of judging him as this symbolic figure that America doesn't really have the infrastructure for. Correct. Uh, you know, the president is not a king. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in, in that, it's funny because in that... Um, uh, that conversation about uh, a moral upstanding president, I think what was left unsaid was, we want a king. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We want a king. Right. We want that symbolic figure. Yeah. So. I saw a little bit of a debate online when Biden uh, was being elected, or, you know, the 2020 election was, do we vote for policies or do we vote for people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> and it seemed like kind of those leaning left were saying we vote for people. Mm-hmm. And those re- leaning right, typically, you know, this is generally speaking, we're saying we vote for policies. Mm-hmm. And right there, it, you said there's a, there's a little bit of that divide of we want this person not to just have the policies, but also to have the moral character. 
and to be someone that yeah. we can look up to, mm-hmm. person who represents who we are as Americans. That was kind of the the, the rallying cry against Trump was he doesn't represent America. Right. He doesn't re- represent who we are. Yeah. And Trump, or I'm sorry, and Biden does. Yeah, which is kind of odd because you would think that the the right would lean towards more like like a monarchy and the left would lean towards like more democracy and like let's not have this unifying thing but it seems like it's flipped now that the left has gone so far that they they need some sort of embodied figure right and they're concerned about the the moral state of the top that mm-hmm. represents mm-hmm. symbolically the bottom um yeah i don't know i, I just feel like if I had to describe the left and the right in terms of their tendencies, it would be that like the right, I feel like the right would more often want a monarchy and the left sure. would want something like yeah, democracy. Perhaps. That yeah. seems like yeah. the, the, the liberal sense and like the old sense of left and right, but it seems like right. it's flipping. Now it's like you have the right being like no freedom and, and like what works and like very utilitarian and the left is kind of like, no, we need like monolithic ideology and somebody that represents that it's like what's happening right right right. um yeah even um kind of the way they they well in in some ways the way biden presented himself on the campaign was uh uh kind of appealed almost to that sentiment of like i can stop the coronavirus yeah i can stop covid and cancer yeah it was like no like that's that's impossible Mm -hmm. you know and i I don't i don't blame him for not stopping covid i blame Mm -hmm. him for Saying that he could yeah. stop a natural disease, it was it was almost like if we elect the right king, like mm-hmm. he can cure the land, right? Um, yeah. yeah, and even uh, some of the, I guess maybe more on the far left expectations of Biden was that he was just going to sign all these policies, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> and yep. he was going to fix everything. So well, he's not a king, yeah, like, he has to go through certain um, legislative process, yeah, to do these. And I then, think this well the symbolism of um, king and healer. Are actually um, tied together. Yeah, correct. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and I remember um, there was an essay I read on um, the Return of the King from J.R.R. Tolkien, um, the third um, mm-hmm. part of Lord of the Rings, and Aragorn is presented as a healer as well as a uh, king. And when he becomes king, he's able to. And, and this was uh, portrayed in the movies as well. Um, remember when he was healing Eowyn um, uh, after healing Frodo? Well, uh, in the third one. Oh, in yeah. the extended edition, mm-hmm. uh, but even healing mm-hmm. Frodo too. Like mm-hmm. he has these healing properties. He's learned, you know, he learned from the elves. But Tolkien's idea, I think, is playing with this um, symbolism of mm-hmm. king and healer, and both of them. I, I think it, it, at first it's like, what do, what do the two have to do with each other? But when we think about the king as a unifying figure, yeah, uh, and and um, actually bringing prosperity to the land, mm-hmm. um, that in itself brings a sense of healing yeah. to. Society. Yeah, it literally um, is that health symbol. With yeah, the, the, yeah. The two right. snakes. It's, yeah. it's the, right. So it's um, the ideal. Right. That's very interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, certainly in the ancient world or in the in medieval world, even not not that long ago, you could almost uh, see what was going on in the kingdom or in the empire based off the king. Mm-hmm. You, know, you think of all the different, <laughs> you know, mentally deranged Caesars yeah. Yeah. that you know wreaked havoc on the land. Um, and so they had to be overthrown or assassinated in order to bring back health. Um, mm-hmm. Same thing with. Uh, medieval kings and either their, their corruption or their or their virtue mm-hmm. uh, was reflected in the kingdom. Not always, and you know, but I think there was at least the idea of if we if we have the right king, there will be yeah. harmony and peace in the land. Yeah, he can, he can restore this. Right. Um, 
and again, that that was all ref- certainly in the medieval mind, at least. That was all because there was something that was over top every king, mm-hmm. and it was only good kings were only good again if if they participated in something higher. Yep, and then that would reflect all the way down to the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. I mean, yeah. I, I see that fractally working out too, and like you know, being a father in this in my kingship of my dominion of my small. Household <laughs> yeah. of five children. Your serfdom. Um, yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> the peasants dominating. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah, if I if I if there was no king, they would be at the behest of their own rivalries and their struggle yeah. and their and their power struggles and such. But I I mean, like to your point, like I have to be under something higher mm-hmm. in order for yeah. me to be a good king. And they look to me as like you bring unity and healing to our struggle. And that's why it's so important for a father to be a morally upstanding person. Yeah. Right. Um, because you're not just a political figure in your mm-hmm. house. Yep. You're actually looking up to you being like, this is the model of manhood for me. Yep. And if that falls to the wayside, then yeah, that, that, that really can affect right. your entire world. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's a good analogy. Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm just thinking about this in real time, but the role of a father seems like intricately intricately connected to having to make the rules and so it seems like the politics and the symbolism are like connected Mm -hmm. like they have to be Mm -hmm. because there's like not really much for there to be like there's no nothing between me and my children Mm -hmm. um so like me and my wife set the rules and so like the monarchy (laughs) is the political party um and it seems like it as it scales up it the the division seems like it's useful I don't know. Mm. Like maybe, maybe because it's the tendency to power. And so it's like having the separation Mm. of church and state per se is like, it's good that you have Mm -hmm. politics running politics and you have religion running religion and, and monarchies being symbolic. And maybe it's good that the separation of powers exists because of the human capacity for kind of complete dominance. Like maybe as you scale up, it's good that it's separate. Right. Right. Well, I think that was, well, I guess the founding fathers, idea right yeah of like right. you know they were rebelling against a monarchy mm-hmm. and the whole you know three branches of government was to make sure that the president didn't become another monarchy yeah, that right. he had yeah. to be checked yeah because you know they knew human nature mm-hmm. and its uh, inclination to yeah. power grabbing right. or corruption right. you know whatever you want to say yeah i mean uh, even even in, in a um a family there's a tendency towards dominance and right. you can be overbearing but it just does, it seems like as you scale up, like humans are not fit for that much power sure. in, in one person where it's like, w- this needs to be um, split up or else it corrupts too fast. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you definitely see that again in Kings, right? Yeah. Throughout, you know, uh, throughout history of like, that's way, you know, way too much power. And even, even with Kings is like, there might've been some more stability than now insofar as, you know, they weren't switching every two years, but you could have radically different, uh, uh, laws, I guess yep. you could say. Yeah. Um, certainly if you think about after the Protestant Re- reformation in England, you had like Catholic Queens, Catholic Kings, Protestant Kings, Protestant Queens, right, right. and you know, the, the, you know, outlaws, you know, not outlawed, outlawed back and forth. So, yeah. Um, and that's where the, um, the symbolism of the, of the monarchy really started to, um, shake because sure. then now when it was uh, Catholic queen versus Protestant queen or king whatever uh, then the society the society was divided 
um, by their religion. Like no longer was the mm-hmm. monarch a unifying figure, mm-hmm. but now because of by association with their religion, uh, it divided society, um, and so that was extremely problematic. Yeah, uh, going into um, you know going back to that that idea that I brought up of um, Christ. Not Christ. Um, I'm going to get into Christ. <laughs> um, the king or queen as a uh, a healer. Um, I think that that's exemplified in Christ. You know, when we um, call Christ the king, mm-hmm. uh, before he was manifested as king, he was known as a healer. <laughs> that was yeah. his life, yeah, right? right. Mm-hmm. Um, he was literally healing people of their illnesses, mm. bringing people back from the dead, healing them of um, their blindness, mm-hmm. their lameness. Uh, and I like those again. Those two things are not um, separate; like they fit together. Um, and if he's going to establish his dominion over the universe, then that means that he is going to bring peace to his dominion. Yep. And the greatest enemy and divider is sin. Right. And sin corrupts right the wages of sin is death and so any of the uh manifestations of sin in the world is going to look like blindness lameness right um a sickness all of that is a result of sin and the enemy um and so christ healing uh going about his healing miracles is foreshadowing of his complete um dominion over all things right um i've come to bring life right mm-hmm. uh so that you can have life to the full and that's established in his in his um kingship so i think like the symbol of christ as king uh all the implications there are is a society at peace is a society that is full of life you know uh sickness and death yeah and so you know like and going back to you know when Biden was running, saying I'm going to rid people uh, um, the land of coronavirus mm-hmm. <laughs> of, yeah. of, of the coronavirus. Um, yes, at the same time, like that's absurd, but it's interesting that he even said that in the first place. Because as if there's something subconscious saying, like, as the leader, I should be able to establish healing, um, healing, yeah. right? Um, mm-hmm. So it's almost like bubbling up from this, like something that he can't even put his finger on. Yeah. Like, why is he making this claim? Right, right. It's like, why is the president saying he can cure cancer? Right. It's <laughs> like, but, but it's because he's <laughs> touching on something symbolic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a this is a question for both of you who know more um, theology than I do. Uh, the counterpart to that is... I came not to bring peace, but a sword. Mm-hmm. How does that reconcile with a seemingly contradictory uh, statement of like, I, I, he's the healer, he's the king, but then where, why is he saying I came to bring a sword and not peace? Lee, do you have an <laughs> insight? <laughs> well, you know, certainly, um, <laughs> the medievals would have interpreted that as the like the two temporal or the two powers, right? The mm-hmm. two, the swords of of spiritual uh, authority and temporal authority. On the other hand, that um, in in their minds, and really even into the early twentieth century, uh, popes and bishops kind of saw Christ's authority as not simply spiritual, mm-hmm. maybe perhaps primarily spiritual. Um, but that he couldn't be, that Christ couldn't be exiled from civic life. 
and laws. And this finds um, its fullest expression, I think, in um, Pope Pius IX's um, uh, institution of Christ, the Solemnity of Christ the King mm -hmm. in um, 1925. This is after, this is right after World War I. Um, he's seeing the world basically completely decimated by World War I and, you know, a horrific war. Um, and he's saying, not so much that the laws of the, of the Catholic Church should become civic laws, but that they should, uh, civic laws should be kind of informed by a higher principle, at the right. very least. Mm -hmm. That your authority does not come from you're, you're just you. And he talks about this. This is one of the reasons why we, we had this war is that men said authority is given by men to men. And so yeah. I have the right to do this. Mm -hmm. So I, I think when it comes to Christ, you know, bringing this, this unrest is, I think in, in their minds, they would see it as the law of Christ will bring division to those who want to grab power. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So perhaps... Um, I don't know. This is going to be a stretch, I think, maybe. Mm. Trying to work on the left and right symbolism here yeah. with Peugeot and the sword and the shield. Um, yep. Perhaps from a certain angle, Christ brings the sword. For sure. <laughs> I, I was yeah, just definitely. about to mention that. Because um, yeah. I've been thinking about uh, Peugeot's video a lot and, and the things that have come up um, recently. And there's a lot of that left hand, right hand symbolism um, in the that the, the right hand is, is sword. And so kind of attack um, and like law outward and then shield is protect mm -hmm. that's left hand um but if if you're facing me then then my right then my right seems like your left yeah and vice versa so when right. when christ comes to unify and to and to bring protection over and reality peace, yeah. and peace to those who are opposed it's going to feel like a sword well right and that's right. the that's the question of the question the question the fundamental question of the gospels is who is christ and how do I follow him? Mm -hmm. And you cannot ignore that question uh, when reading scripture, in the New Testament specifically. And because the question is so stark of who is Christ, you're either going to say he is the king of kings, right? He is the son of God, or he is not. And mm -hmm. I think that that is what Christ means by bringing the sword, right? It could be uh, understood as one interpretation, um, that if he's establishing his dominion, then you are either going to be for that or against it. There's no yeah. middle ground, yeah. right? And so, right. Um, just by um, just by the implication of him establishing dominion, um, there has to be a decision whether or not you're going to follow him or not. Mm -hmm. uh, right. There's already a division there, implicit in his um, dominion. Yeah. So, right. There's also the he's talking about pruning, right? You know, every yeah. you know every. Uh, Every branch does not bear fruit will be pruned mm -hmm. or cut off. Cast you know. into the fire. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, there's, there's some pretty, uh, pretty harsh sayings. Yeah. yeah. But I think it goes to this idea again of if you, if you don't bear this fruit or if you, if you come, if I come to you and you reject me, mm -hmm. you will see the, you will see a sword. Right. In my face. Yeah. Not, not so much that I am bringing the sword purposely yeah. to you right, to attack right. you, but that if you, any rejection will appear as a sword. Yeah. I right. guess. If that makes right. sense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's also some interesting um, kind of mystical thought around um, Christ and his kingship in that like he is the the golden ball on top of which the snakes come up to. Mm -hmm. But he's also the snake. 
and the idea yeah. of the crucifixion. Uh, yeah. He becomes right. sin on the cross. Yeah. Um, and that that's a wild like union of two opposites um, that yeah. obviously is only happening within Christ and the, and the like the absolute mind blowing symbolism that is the crucifixion. Well, and that that's actually exactly what we celebrated yesterday in the church. Um, the exaltation of the Holy Cross. It was mm. a feast day. And that was the readings where um, uh, Moses in the desert who lifted up the snakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the gospel was our Lord quoting that exact um, reference mm. uh, where he said, um, just as Moses lifted up the snakes in the desert, so too will the Son of Man be lifted up. Yeah, And so he's equating himself to a snake, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is yeah. very interesting. Uh, it is a lot there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, so the serpent is also, uh, you know, obviously the symbol of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And Christ even says this be be as wise as serpents. Yeah. Which yeah. is, you know, kind of an odd thing. It's like the last yeah. time you hear of serpents, they're, <laughs> you know, they're, they're killing people in the desert. Yeah, yeah. They're tricking Eve yeah, and yeah. Adam. Um, so I, another way you can look at it is, you know, if, if Christ is wisdom, kind of like almost like the serpentine figure, mm-hmm. like wisdom nailed to the cross, like wisdom on the cross. Yep. Um, that to gaze upon, I guess the cross is also to gaze upon salvation and wisdom. Yeah. Like, the, yeah. like somehow there's mm-hmm. ultimate wisdom in this self emptying act yeah. of the cross. Yep. Like that, that's where mm-hmm. it's found. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Yeah. The, I mean, yeah. the cross is. Yeah. You can yeah, you speak can, infinitely you about it. Say. There's, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's too much there. Yeah. I, um, I wanted to move to, uh, this idea um, that like the, the, the symbolic monarchy and then um, the like left and right on two sides kind of being a little bit of an image of uh, like Aristotle's virtue um, oh, yeah. being like the golden mean uh, virtue is not merely the middle of two vices. Right. Right. Cause so can you explain a little bit of like what Aristotle means by a golden mean um, and then how that is portrayed in two opposites, like two vices. Yeah, actually, um, I was texting um, our sister, Elisa, because um, she's actually uh, uh, studied philosophy, and I was just, well, this was actually last night. We were just talking about um, Aristotle's idea of virtue. Um, and this is how Ab- um, how Aristotle would describe virtue. Mm-hmm. Um, he says it's a habit of choosing and desiring the good according to the mean as determined by prudence. Mm. And so uh, it's not just a habit of living according to, like you said, um, the the mean between two vices. Right. But it's actually recognizing that as good and then desiring it as well. Right. Um, and so it's not just like, well, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be rash and I don't want to be a coward. So if I can just find a balance, right. then I'll be virtuous. Right, right. It's like, no, no, no. Recognizing courage, calling it out, um, recognizing that as the good, mm-hmm. and then actually desiring that um, yeah. and ha- living habitually um, according to that mean. Yeah. Um, but she also says it's determined by prudence, too. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a for someone who, who is courageous, uh, let's just say if there's a, a burning building, it would not be courageous for a old woman mm-hmm. to go in and try to save a baby who's trapped right. in that building. Right. That'd be rash right. for her. However, if a fireman mm-hmm. 
approaches the building and decides to enter the the the, the burning building and rescue right. a child. That's courageous. Um, and so mm-hmm. courage is going to look different for every person. Yeah. And it's a it, that person has to approach that mean. In prudence, mm-hmm. knowing himself, knowing his own limitations, his own strengths and talents, and then uh, determining what that mean looks like. Yep. Um, so, Lee, do you have anything to add? Um, yeah, the golden mean is uh, something relative r- relative to us, right? Yeah. Right. Right, right. So it's you know it's not this perfect in the middle mm-hmm. between these two things. You know, I certainly think of working out and calories. <laughs> you, know, yeah, yeah. you know, I think even Aristotle mentioned something kind of mm-hmm. like that, you know, yeah. that if you're an athlete, you might need to eat more than if you're not an athlete or, or vice versa, depending mm-hmm. upon what you want yeah. to do. But it's, I think it's this establishing the relative mm-hmm. is where prudence comes in. Mm-hmm. You have to figure right. out like, wh- where am I kind of yeah, on this yeah. rash right. to, to, um, cur- yeah, courage or cowardice and courage. Mm-hmm. Like, where am I on this? Yeah. On a scale. Um, yeah. And yeah. I feel like that takes a certain level of self-knowledge, like to actually sit down sure. and be like, am I actually more of a coward than I think I am? Or, mm-hmm. or yeah, vice versa. Right, exactly. But yeah. Um, and the, the, the complicated thing too, is that um, typically wherever you tend uh, is where you can be tricked into thinking that that is the mean. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so for a cowardly person, someone who is courageous might appear rash mm-hmm. because it's, further away from their current balance, <laughs> right? Yep, yep, yep. Uh, right. And so, uh, yeah, like Lee's right. You you have to really know yourself. It takes a lot right. of introspection uh, to yep. admit like, well, no, I'm not living up to the mean mm-hmm. um, that I should be living up to. I think you see that uh, kind of on a broader scale, uh, like bringing this back out to the political of why everything is called far right now. Because it's yeah, to right. the as as the culture is moving more and more left, their perspective on what is aside from them is farther and farther right. So someone who might be middle of the road ten years ago is now really far away from the zeitgeist, so supposed yeah. zeitgeist of the left, and so therefore that's really far to the right of them. Yeah, um, and that's yeah. exactly you know say what you will about Elon Musk, but I think he was dead on when he said the left is losing the middle. Yeah, uh, because as they be progress mm-hmm. so far, um, the people that were kind of in the middle now seem right. Yep, uh, more and more right to them. Yep. So yeah, back. I mean, and then pulling it back down to the uh, like the personal. I've been thinking about this for uh, quite a while as I've been married for ten years. Um, the idea that relationships, like when when people are in relationships and they say like our vices complement each other or like, you know, like, like it kind of yeah. balances out because, you know, he wakes up early and I get up late. He's and, lazy and I'm type A. Yeah, so yeah, we're yeah, all exactly. good. <laughs> so t- I, I hated that idea mm-hmm. because it just doesn't seem like it works out in real life. It's like, if you're both vicious, where does the virtue come from? Like, it's not the, the, the average of two vices. Yeah. Right. Um, so there has to be something else that you're working towards. That's kind of outside of that struggle like uh, horizontally, there needs to be a vertical like orientation, a telos, mm-hmm. um, or else you, like you don't just get v- virtue from adding two vices. So I like hearing right. that always bugged me. Uh, but then, because then on the other hand, like masculine and feminine do complement each other. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a, mm-hmm. an intuition about something that's real about the complementary nature 
of masculine and feminine people's tendency towards like, you know, being a homebody versus wanting to go out. Like sometimes those things like do play in a, in a type of system that participates in something higher. Um, and so like I was thinking about the analogy, like the best type of image for a relationship for a long time, I hated the idea of like gears and clockwork. Cause it was like, cause then like you're in and you're out meet and you never like fix yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you just like, Oh, it's like clockwork, you know, like you a piece of a puzzle. Or yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I never liked that because it was no like self-improvement. And so it was like, it's more like a rock tumbler where you, uh, like your life clashes together and all of your idiosyncrasies like smooth out. I like used that analogy for years. I was like, this is the best one. Like I like this the, the most. <laughs> um, but then the more I thought about it, I realized that what you end up with are two individual smooth rocks and there's no like unity. There's no participation in something bigger. So like you do get that self-improvement, but you don't get the participation in like relationship in something higher. Um, and so like I actually now flipped back to the idea of the clockwork, but it's, it's if your vices meet like that, you are turning something to which you don't know what you're turning. You know, like you're participating in a, in a negative relationship. You're participating, you're moving the clockwork into something bad and it's not just like life moves on. And so you need to fix your gears so that when you do, when your complementary aspects do meet, you participate in something that is fruitful and that is mm-hmm. moving towards something good. Um, so it's, it's more complicated than the, the two analogies, but like I, I've been struggling with that for so long. Um, and it really kind of, kind of comes back to that idea of the, the two vices um, and then like having something at top to, to, to go towards like a telos. Yeah. 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 This idea of uh, a telos and something to aim for, um, something Sarah and I have talked about is that we have never, um, you know, we didn't think of this consciously, but we just kind of noticed that we've never called each other perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, people say that in relationship, like yeah. you're perfect. Yeah. You're perfect the way you are. <laughs> And it's, and I'm glad. And we both said like, yeah. that's good because mm-hmm. it's like, we're not like, yeah. like neither of us are perfect. And it, and if you yeah. say like, oh, you're perfect. It's like, okay, so does that mean I don't need to do anything? Yeah. Am I good? Yeah. You're well, good enough. That's <laughs> one of my, I can't, I can't yeah. say that first, yeah. but yeah. You're, <laughs> you're okay the way you are. Uh, yeah. um, or, you know, what happens if I fall short? Does that mean mm-hmm. like, I'm like, now I'm not perfect. And you don't love me anymore or whatever yeah. it is. It's like you, there has to be some sort of telos mm-hmm. that maybe is perfect that you're working towards. It's not yeah. you, it's not me, but we're trying to work on this together yeah. in, as a unit, mm-hmm. yeah. as, you yeah. know, as, like, as one thing. Yep. But it, it has to be something other yep. than just even for the sake of, uh, like you said, working on each other. There's got to be something like yep. a, a transcended third, I guess. Yep. Right. And that's also, you know, like that phrase... Um, like, oh, he completes me or she completes me. Like, I, I get that, you know, like from a, mm-hmm. like the complementary nature of uh, masculine and feminine. Mm-hmm. I, I understand the symbolism there, but it can quickly fall into this idea that, like, I don't need to fix myself if he completes me. Right, right. right. Like, all the, all the mm-hmm. um, uh, idiosyncrasies that I could work on, he fills. Yeah. And, and I don't right. need to worry about myself yeah. anymore, right? Yep. It's, it's, again, like this idea of striving towards a good that you can perceive, not just a negation of vice, yeah. right? Uh, and that's, and I think, like even in the spiritual life or an interior life, we don't want to simply avoid sin. 
Right. We want to yep. pursue the good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is why uh, Augustine says, like, uh, following the Ten Commandments is only the beginning of a life of holiness. Yeah. Uh, it's only the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if all you're doing is trying to avoid sin, then what is your life about? Yeah, right. um, for sure. You know, what's, right. the, what's the good that you can perceive and mm-hmm. actually say, this is what I'm pursuing? Yep. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. I, speaking to that idea, I, I always think when people say, like I'm, like, I'm a good person. It's like, well, really what they mean is, like, I'm a very mediocre person. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know it's like you know it's like dang well but yeah, yeah. Usually it's like i like you know i don't murder <laughs> right, you know, right i don't yeah. cheat yep, right. i don't steal mm-hmm. yeah you know right. we're yeah. comparing like, ourselves to like the lowest right yeah. it's like oh okay like that's good yeah. you're not doing anything heinous mm-hmm. that's okay yeah but actually what you want is virtue yeah right you know like when we, that's that's actually what you know particularly in the christian ethic that's actually what we're aiming for mm-hmm you know um, that God is, God is actually calling you to something, to a virtuous life and a ho- and a life of holiness, yeah. right? Not just like oh, He wants you to be good, He wants you to be healthy and safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yep. No, actually, He wants right. you to be like transcend all of that. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah, if right. if you say you know I'm I'm virtuous or I'm gr- I'm a good person, it's like well, are you prudent? Mm-hmm. Are you temperate? Do you control right. your passions? Yep. Yeah. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Right. Like our Lord said, He doesn't say like I am like. Uh, I, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Not, I am not sin, right? Or, I am yeah, not yeah. bad, you know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's always positive. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, it's yeah, you easy see, to forget that. You see that, too, with, um, I mean, like, just society um, not really having an orientation and just kind of living for the weekend or, you yeah. know, getting a job because you need to get a job so you can have money to put your kids yeah. in school and whatever. If you see all those things as um, almost a type of avoiding sin, you know, almost like a Ten Commandments, like the Ten Commandments keep you away from sin. And so the things that are the the mundane and the in and out of like you get a job so that you can have money for your family, so that your kids can be fed, so that they can go to school and they get mm-hmm. a job and do the same thing all over again is a type of avoiding decay. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's the same, same type of avoiding sin. And so if that's your whole life, then what is it for other yeah. than safety protection and avoiding the bad thing which is right. death yeah. and right. despair or whatever right right yeah. i certainly think about this a lot uh, reading saint john on the cross it's like you know if, if you don't read saint john correctly you kind of see this like self-denial and mortification and yeah. you know all these things as via negativa yeah as yeah. as it, that's the end right mm-hmm. it's to it's it's can border on perhaps uh, like an extreme buddhism of like negation of life mm-hmm. negation of pleasure and happiness it's like no 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 it's it's for the sake of union right it, it's 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 you're aiming at something and mm-hmm. moving towards something it's not just i'm just doing this for the sake of of like I said like warding off decay and sin yep it's actually so i can become something else yeah mm-hmm. grow into something else yeah exactly and you know to be fair like typically when people need to turn their life around and mm-hmm pursue the good they do need to focus on that turning point first and i remember it was father Brousseau, um your old morality teacher and my uh, rector at uh the josephina when i was in seminary uh i had a conversation with him about this and he said uh like if someone's again but back to the burning building um analogy but it's not the same analogy but still a burning building he said if someone's inside a burning building you don't want to rescue them by by starting to talk to them about a life 
um, that they can have fulfilled. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was like, mm-hmm. no, you have to get them out of the burning building right. first, right? right. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, in a sense, like, you you know, and, and if you want to pursue virtue, you do have to focus first on the vice and getting out of those bad habits, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, yeah. I think that's what yeah. Christ means when he says, I'm bringing the sword. It's like, we're going to cut off the the parts yeah. of this, of these branches that don't produce fruit. You know, like we have yeah. to, we yeah. have to prune the bushes and in order for it to grow again, there needs to be a cutting off yeah. of that, which has been like decaying at you. Yeah. But again, that's all for the greater purpose Correct. of yep. a good, mm-hmm. um, that, yep. you, that you, that you have to perceive. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. And that initial turn and detachment, you know, whatever you want to call it, life holiness does, yeah, is experienced as a sword as painful mm-hmm. and as, as an injustice maybe, you know, yeah. but it's actually for the sake of something else. Right? Yeah. For the sake of something greater. That's a good yeah, point. Exactly. So I'm circling back to um, Queen Elizabeth again, <laughs> all the way back to the beginning. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, one, uh, one thing I thought of when she passed, um, I was having a conversation with a friend and he felt like it was the end of an era in a sense. Uh, you know, she was 96, Six. Yeah. 96. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it felt like she's just, been this symbol for forever you know uh and in her passing it it seems like we lost someone who like i struggle to find um to understand like if there's going to be a replacement for that Mm. and her sense of duty Mm -hmm. and her sense of um responsibility was very much uh, like of the old ways yeah you know, um, uh, and someone who um, I think uh, resembled that or, or lived in that same mode was like John Paul II, mm-hmm. you know, like who he stuck with his papacy and, uh, till, till his dying day, you know, and like this sense of duty again, uh, it just it, it feels like like are we going to have symbolic figures in the future now who are going to have that sense of responsibility or is it going to be all about? Well, uh, you know, it's about me, and mm-hmm. I'm tired, and you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm gonna retire, or I'm going to, you know, just watch out for me. Right. Um, it seems very much a generational thing, mm-hmm. and so there was a sense of, you know, when I was talking to my friend, he he ex- he almost expressed it like a sense of dread, like is this symbolic of actually the culture moving now? You know, like this la- last symbol of duty and responsibility in yeah. the old ways has died. Yeah. Like, where are we moving now? You know, what are what are our, um, you know, politicians and heads of state and symbolic authority figures? How are they going to show us how to bear responsibility? Um, yep. And so it was it was almost a glimpse of the future a little bit in her passing. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was pretty, pretty interesting. So we have King yeah. Charles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, it, it does. Like I said, it 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 does seem like something that belongs to the old world. Yeah. Right. Like you know, we're Americans. No kings, yeah. just men. You yeah. know, like we're all we're all equal here. We know there are no kings, and so yeah. To especially, I think something that Pope John Paul II and Queen Elizabeth had in common certainly is a, a lengthy reign. Yeah. Like she when 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 was she? It was, um, I think it was in the fi- 1953, in the f- early 50s. Was mm. it when she was... was cor- um, her coronation. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then um, 
Pope John Paul II was like the seventies until like yeah. early two thousand. You know, like a, a yeah. long. Both of them had long reigns. So you, you, I guess in a sense, like the world got to know them and see them for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and so their passing certainly feels like the end of an era because it, yeah. like, it seems like they lived in era yeah. almost. But um, yeah, yeah, I guess we have these figures for so long. Their passing is felt a little bit. Yeah, little it, does, bit more. it definitely feels um, like symbolic of the times. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Uh, like as, as we're kind of experiencing a little bit of an about turn culturally, like we've discussed before, this whole femininity thing coming in um, and a hyper-masculinity like on the rise. Yeah, who knows? But it definitely seems like it's um, oddly time, uh, timely. Yeah. Um, how'd your kids, how'd your wife, you know? Was, yep. That, <laughs> something's coming. That's the takeaway. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do wonder when it might be dissolved, the, the monarchy. Yeah, yeah you know, I thought just, the same thing. Too. It's up, like, like people is, are talking about it now because it's like, well, since we're in this transition state, yeah. Should we reconsider? Right. It's like, why is it here? Mm -hmm. People don't understand it. So. Yeah, I mean, certainly King Charles won't, because you know, he's he's mm -hmm. like seventy three. You know, it's like yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. no use. But um, what's his name? I don't know. William. William. Yeah. You know, ne next up, I, I you know possibly, mm -hmm. it'd just be like yeah, like we don't really need this anymore. You know, yeah. like what is this about? You know, yeah. Scary. Kind of liquidate the, the properties. Yeah, we're you know? here. <laughs> well, I think, and it's just, uh, it would be an abdication of symbols. That's what it would be. Yeah. It's like, if uh, as we are progressing and, and becoming more modern, mm -hmm. uh, we're losing the um, ability to read symbols, like as Pope Francis said in his letter. Uh, and so when that question comes up, like, why do we need this? It's, it's the question of what is a symbol? What yeah. is a symbol? And if it does fall to the wayside... And that, that would be a really scary thing mm -hmm. um, yeah. because we're just getting rid of things that are not useful to us, right, uh, yeah. on a material level. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, it seems like maybe maybe they need a progressive enough king or prince because... To see how good they actually had it. <laughs> two kings. Well, well, you know, no, just to, to, in order to dissolve it because right. right now it's, you know, it's very common and very popular to hate on anything Western. Yeah. And so you could get the right. right person to be like, you know what? Like, you know, the monarchy represents an oppressive empire, mm -hmm. an yeah. imperialistic empire. And we are moving into the new age, the new era, away mm -hmm. from any sort of oppressive West. A type of new world order. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, it, it, you know, you know what I mean though? Like yeah. for real, it's just um, like we need to be done with the past. Be mm -hmm. done with anything uh, that smacks of Western um, supremacy culture. Yeah. Yeah. culture. Yeah. So yeah. this is a piece of it. Let's get rid of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. That's a theory. No, no, no. And yeah. I, I think like that that, is, that wouldn't surprise me at all if that's the approach that they yeah. take. Yeah, it'll so. be interesting to see because like on you have that tendency on one hand, and the other hand, you have like more symbolism popping up, more people like yearning for something like religion, um, even the natural impulse to make the presidency a natural, a, uh, a symbolic figure mm -hmm. says something about America, but, you know, obviously different, different country, but um, still it seems like a societal global movement towards yeah. more symbolism. You know, even in the Catholic realm, you have the Latin mass popping up. So mm -hmm. it just depends on like where it falls. It will definitely be interesting to see. It's definitely not going to be a neutral thing. I feel like it's like, if they're going to, if they're going to keep the monarchy, it's, they're going to go hard. 
Yeah. And if they destroy yeah. it, then it's going to go symbols. hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's actually true. Maybe the monarchy yeah. will rise up and actually do a power grab. Yeah. <laughs> you know? They'll double down on it. Yeah. Right. They'll be like... Start a, colonialism again. Like uh, HBO's The Young Pope, but yeah. for monarchy. Like, yeah. you know, bring back the regalia, yeah. bring back the guards, bring back the coaches, you know. Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh. Court uh, jesters and stuff, yeah. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah, that, that'd be fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right, give me give me a famous uh, comedian. I want to yeah, laugh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joe Rogan just up there. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Uh, like I'm not laughing. Do I have the power to execute him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Can we bring that back? <laughs> right. um, it's a good place to stop, though. We're about uh, almost an hour in. Um, let's see. Basically related. dot com forward slash AMA uh, to ask questions. Um, basically related. dot com forward slash support. Uh, for five dollars a month, uh, you'll get the the answers to those AMA questions. Um, only members get that episode. Um, I'm Matt Hylam on all social media. Uh, Lee is at Coach Lieb, um, and Father John is still MIA. <laughs> See y'all. <laughs> <laughs>